Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome back to Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. You know, I think it's funny that NBC is advertising, hey, don't miss the replay of USA France tonight at 4. No one wants to watch it. Don't don't worry. You could put something else on. That would be just fine. Our next guest is political strategist Carl Calabrese. He is retired, but every now and then David and I like to uh, bug him for some airtime, so we appreciate that, Carl. Good morning, Joe. I am retired from my previous business, but I will never retire from the study of politics. Well, I appreciate that. And I have to say on air, before we go any further, I have to admit, Carl, I saw you on Wednesday, and by the time I came to say hi, you had already left. Oh, okay. Where was that? Uh, It was at a fundraiser in Tonawanda. Oh, that's right. My uh, former business partner, Victor Martucci's sister, uh, Gina Santa Maria is running for the town board, and they had a little fundraiser for her over at uh, Lincoln Park. Yeah, my well, wife and I went. I've known Gina since she was a little girl. It was a nice, uh, a nice uh, little time. It was a friend of my mom, and my dad's out of town. My mom asked if I would, uh, if I would go. I go, there's going to be, uh, there's going to be adult beverages. Of course, I'll be there. So. <laughs> there were plenty of those. <laughs> now, Carl, I'm going to start with you the way I ended with the congressman. Uh, the news that came last night about the feds ending their investigation into Governor Cuomo. Uh, are you surprised by this? No, not at all. I've always said that whether it be a, a civil or a criminal uh, investigation, I just could not imagine uh, the Biden Justice Department, as politicized as it has become, uh, pursuing that level of action against a fellow Democrat governor. So I'm not surprised at all. Do you think it's what we're going to see after all is said and done in Albany with the, uh, the state's investigation? Yeah, I do. If I had to, if I had to wager right now, I, I would say the result will be the same on the, on the other investigations. I could be wrong. Uh, you know, you and I are not privy to all of the facts uh, and testimony that has been given in secret uh, deposition under oath by different people. And, um, you know, there's lots of issues here. There's the nursing home issue. There's a sexual harassment issue. There's the issue of did he use state resources to help write his book. Um, so it's still possible that one or more of those could end up in charges. But again, given the, the records uh, or given the the history and what we've seen with this Justice Department and what we've seen in the government with, with the Biden administration and, and the politicization of so many departments, um, I, I would bet against it right now. You know, as this continues to go on and as we hear less and less, it seems, I mean, it to me, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm looking at this wrong, to me it seems like Governor Cuomo is going to walk into another term. Well, he may. I, I don't know yet. Um, it's interesting. I think 
Joe, I think the person to watch here is Letitia James and her investigations. Um, if she really has her eyes and, and uh, hopes set on becoming the next governor, uh, she's the one to watch because she could really do serious damage to Andrew Cuomo. And we'll, we'll see, you know, I mean, the fact that she even initially launched this with the nursing home issue, uh, or I'm sorry, the, the sexual harassment issue, I mean, that was, that was striking. And so she's the lady to watch at this point, and that will tell us a lot about her ambitions. Uh, but there are other signs that maybe Andrew Cuomo is reaching shelf life. Uh, for the first time since he declared for governor many, many years ago. He's being outraised by a potential opponent. In the first half of this year, Lee Zeldin, the presumed Republican nominee, uh, he's, he's got the organizational support, but it looks like uh, Rob Astorino, uh, who has run for governor before, county executive, will challenge him in a primary. But Zeldin outraised Cuomo two to one. Uh, that was really that really jumped out of the page on, on political, to political junkies like me, that uh, you know, that should not happen with a powerful incumbent. So I, I think it's still a heavy, heavy lift for any Republican in the state, uh, almost a two-to-one disadvantage in enrollment. The state is almost as blue in terms of, of left-wing philosophy as the state of California. And um, right now is what you said I think would, would be the smart bet, and that is anybody with a D after their name on the Democrat line for governor uh, in 2022 will probably be reelected or elected. You know, it, looking at the, the Lee Zeldin outraising, you know, because I look back at the 90s. Now, of course, I was very young in the 90s, but I see Republicans winning in the mayoral of New York City, winning the, the governor's seat with George Pataki. Uh, are we just so far from that ever coming back to New York politics? We're pretty far from it. I mean, you never want to say never in politics. Uh, that's why we have elections, but we're, we're much removed from it. Just given the enrollment advantage, if you look at the enrollment advantage Democrats had when Pataki beat uh, Cuomo the first time, uh, it, it's doubled since then. So you have that factor. I've always said that for a Republican to win in this state, a couple of things, two, three things have to happen. Uh, number one, that Republican has to do good in the suburbs uh, of New York City, Long Island. Lee Zeldin comes from that area and on paper would appear to be uh, strong in that category. But you also need two other things. You need a low turnout of voters from New York City and you need a supercharged turnout of, of voters everywhere else in the state. Uh, if those three things can happen, a Republican wins in the Long Island area, there's a low vote turnout in New York City and a very high vote turnout in the rest of the state, anything is possible. Especially with this election being in 2022, uh, I don't know, midterm elections, eh, going to go to the right, going to go red, who knows? Who knows what could happen in New York State? Yeah, um, I mean, that's why, we don't, that's why we don't cancel elections based on polls. <laughs> you know, just... <laughs> Now, uh, looking into looking at Congress, this is what I wanted to start with, and then we had the, the news out of uh, the state. Looking in Congress, you know, Nancy Pelosi's put this committee together, and, uh, and Carl, you're going to have to explain this to me because I, I don't understand. I thought the committee didn't win when it was voted on, you know, like a month ago. Uh, I thought it lost uh, support in Senate, and this committee wasn't going to happen. Now it's happening, and it's to the point where Nancy Pelosi gets to handpick who's going to be on this, quote, non uh, nonpartisan um, or bipartisan committee. Yeah, it looks that way, doesn't it? It looks like she's wielding the gavel and the power of the speaker to uh, essentially override that vote and establish a committee, and then to do something very, very rare, uh, and that is to tell the minority 
who they can and who they can't have as their members on that committee. You know, it's interesting. Back in 2014, when Republicans held a majority and Nancy Pelosi was the minority leader, uh, they, the Republicans convened a special committee, a select committee, to study the issue of the Benghazi uh, 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 embassy takeover eventually led to the, the killing of the American ambassador. And Nancy Pelosi was given the right uh, by the Republicans to pick whoever she wanted to be on that committee. And she did, and the Republicans did not object uh, and, and bar any of them. So obviously she is not returning the same uh, courtesy and protocol uh, to the minority Republicans today. And she has vetoed two people um, that the Republicans wanted on that committee. Both of them would have gone into areas that the Democrats would prefer uh, the committee not go into. Uh, those are the areas of why hasn't the government shared literally tens of thousands of, of feet of video footage of what happened. That could be very revealing. Uh, they are going to press for who killed Ashley Babbitt. Um, she was shot by a Capitol Police officer. She was unarmed. Uh, it looks like she was executed for trespassing. That's uh, that's a situation where the punishment certainly doesn't fit the crime. Um, they want to know that. And they want to know what the FBI role was. Uh, we're learning more about FBI informants and oftentimes, um, well, I should say they're, they're, they, they're being accused in some cases of going over the line from being an informant to being an instigator. And so the Republicans want to know, did that happen uh, in this case? And those are all legitimate questions. And those are questions that Democrats would prefer not to ask. And they're pretty confident that Liz Cheney, the nominal Republican, the rhino, uh, you know, Republican in name only member of that committee, which who Nancy Pelosi appointed, not Kevin McCarthy, uh, they're pretty sure that she's not going to go down those roads. So uh, the, the, uh, Kevin McCarthy, the minority leader, did exactly the right thing when she vetoed his two appointments on that committee, or two of his appointments on that committee, he said, that's it. This is a sham. It's a partisan sham. The result is already determined. We are not playing. We are not participating. That's it. Other than Liz Cheney, there will be no real Republicans on that committee, and, and you guys can go ahead and do what you want, and, and we're just not going to put our, our signature to it in any way, shape, or form. I think that was the right move and the smart move on the minority leader's part. And as that is all going on, and all this focus still on January 6th, you have the President of the United States giving a town hall to an empty auditorium, and within the course of two questions, gave two completely different answers uh, when asked about the vaccine. He said, which was, you know, I don't know if CNN had their fact, uh, their fact check on uh, the town hall, but he said that if you have the vaccine, that you can't get COVID-19. I mean, Carl, it seems like every day you can get two or three blunders from this president and, and, and no one's calling them out on it. Oh, you can get two or three blunders in, in the same sentence. I mean, it's just, okay. And no, no one will call him on it. Once in a while, once in a while, uh, there will be a fact check that says he's, you know, substantially wrong. Uh, the Washington Post just did one. I'm trying to think what the issue was. I'm, I, can't, I can't think offhand, but they basically said he was, he was essentially wrong on, on what he said. But this guy, you know, Whatever business produces Pinocchio knows is uh, that business could be working overtime just on Joe Biden. He, uh, that performance was disturbing in many ways. Um, I've said this with David the other day. You know, we're, we're all familiar with the photos of presidents and how much they age in a four-year period. And much younger men, how striking the age and the, and, and the, the age images are. And, how, and you realize when you look at those images just how much pressure and tension 
this job must put on a person's mind, body, and spirit. Um, and those, again, can be much younger men. Take Barack Obama. I think we're watching this president decline both physically and cognitively in front of our, our very eyes. And uh, that performance the other night was was disturbing from that standpoint, the mumbles, the stumbles, the, the blank stares, the incoherency, um, in addition to the outright lies. I mean, you know, uh, I counted three or four whoppers in that, uh, in that uh, town hall. Uh, the fact that he says crime is going down. He says, uh, uh, he talked about how uh, a nine millimeter pistol can have a 120 round magazine. Uh, he said immigration, uh, illegal immigration is going down. Inflation uh, doesn't exist, and if it does, it's going to be temporary. I mean, those are all whoppers. Uh, so it, it was it was very disturbing, and I thought was also interesting was was Don Lemon, who you know, I mean, come on, the the guy is he calls himself a journalist. He's essentially a shill for the left. Um, he referred to Biden. He said, "You've been you've been in for six months now. You've been the big guy in Washington." I, I couldn't believe well, Biden's people had to cringe because if you recall in Hunter email uh, Hunter Biden's emails, uh, there's an exchange there where he talks about splitting up the profits or, or the the revenue coming in from some foreign deal he made, and he says, "Well, 10 percent has to be put aside for the big guy." Now, there's lots of speculation who that big guy is. Many people think that's a reference to his father, now president. Uh, but for Don Lemon to refer to him as the big guy, Biden's staff had to just crawl under the table when he did that. <laughs> now, another thing that they're pushing uh, is this Facebook. And another thing Joe Biden said over the week that Facebook was killing people uh, because of stories that they allowed to be posted. And you, now you're seeing this push. You've heard it from uh, Jen Psaki this week saying that, you know, the, the White House is going to take uh, issue with Facebook to try to ban. And they're not even talking about, you know, what we would call conspiracy articles. I mean, you're talking about just uh, organizations that lean to the right. I mean, there was a piece that the Daily Wire just because that they have a conservative bend would no longer be on, on Facebook. It seems like this presidency is going to really try to have Facebook and Twitter control the news people see. And participate in that as well. And she basically said that, that they're working with social media to police these these uh, postings and to make sure misinformation isn't put out there. You know, <laughs> what is misinformation? Uh, usually when politicians get control of the media when in in a dictatorship a, a tyranny the definition of misinformation becomes very clear very quickly and that is whatever is opposed to the regime in power that's the definition of misinformation and what we're seeing now is very disturbing because there's no question social media is censoring people on the conservative side of the aisle absolutely no question about that the only question is can they legally do it and that's a, that's a question that's open to uh, debate and I think eventually will be decided by the Supreme Court but as I said on David's show the other day there is some precedent um, in 1963 there was a case that went all the way to the Supreme Court called uh, Bantam versus Sullivan it was Bantam books um, the state of Rhode Island had put together a commission to review books that they thought would be inappropriate for young people to see. And this commission came up with a list of books and started sending out letters to bookstores saying, remove these books from your shelves. Uh, Bantam Books and, five, and four other uh, publishers went to court and it went all the way to Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court ruled that um, if there is any collusion, uh, collaboration between government and private 
a private industry or a private business to ban books, censor books. Um, if there's any attempt by government to do that or to cajole or or threaten and uh, a business to remove items, that that basically then becomes that business becomes an agent of the state and is doing something the state cannot do because of the Constitution, and that is unconstitutional. Now, the fact that Jen Psaki came right out and said that the federal government, the Biden administration, is working with the, with social media to police posts and to remove posts that they consider misinformation. I'm telling you that that, in my opinion, that that's a smoking gun. I got I got to believe that the Trump people are are going to be playing that clip in court and saying, "Here it is. Here is the Bantam versus Sullivan criteria. You have the government working with, and you also have a long history here of Democrats threatening social media in writing. Democrat members of Congress saying, "If you don't get tough on the conservatives on the right, then there could be." There could be ramifications and negative ramifications in terms of the actions we take in Congress against your business. So th there is certainly a trail of collusion, of collaboration, of threats to get social media to be an agent of the state, to do what the state cannot do. I think it's headed to the Supreme Court, and I, I think eventually the Supreme Court is going to have to deal with this issue that the public square has, has now become in many ways electronic. and that. And the switch to turn on that electricity is being controlled by private companies that are purposely and with the help of government banning discussion of views that they disagree with. So it could take a few years, but I, I think the day is coming. And also banning stories that turn out to be true. I mean, look, the, the, the Hunter Biden thing was banned from Twitter. The, yeah. the New York Post was kicked off of Twitter for, for, for tweeting that. And the uh, China lab was a conspiracy. Now it looks like, hey, COVID probably did come out of a lab. No question. And so yesterday's misinformation is suddenly today information. Uh, again, with the flick of a switch by, by the, uh, the guardians of social media. So, and, and there's lots of examples of that. And uh, it's, it's just very detrimental to our democracy, especially in an electronic virtual age. Uh, where this is the way people communicate ideas w with each other now to a great extent. Um, and it's being shut down, and, and that cannot survive long in a Republican. It's got, that's got to be addressed. It's got to be changed. All right, Carl, you know I always like to end by asking you questions of the future. Uh, 2022, looking at Congress, you know, everyone says it could very much lean to the right. Uh, they, the Republicans could take back Congress and Senate. I know we're over a year away. Anything could happen. But are you seeing anything where that could be true or could be proven false? Well, right now, it's certainly true given political history. The, the average loss for a party in power in the White House in the House of Representatives is 27 seats. Republicans have to pick up seven to get the majority. So... You know, that, that certainly historically works against them. In the, in the U.S. Senate, the party in power loses three. And, of course, that body right now is 50-50. So if, if history holds true, um, the Republicans should take one, if not both, houses. But, again, that's history. In politics, one of, the, one of the fatal mistakes politicians make is they fight the last war. So you can't go by history. But I think that um, right now there are four big issues that are, I believe are going to be in the forefront of the American voter when he and she goes to the, the polls in 2022. And all four of them, the Democrats are underwater on. The first is illegal immigration and what's going on at our southern border with upwards of over 2 million illegal uh, 
aliens coming into this country without being tested for COVID. I think that's a huge issue for Republicans. Next is inflation. I do not believe inflation is going to be temporary. Um, the one matrix that people overlook is inflation is driven off historically by what the Federal Reserve does with the money supply and how much is it increases the money supply. This year, the Federal Reserve has increased the money supply 31%. You got to go back to the, I believe, the early 80s to see that kind of, of increase in the money supply. And of course, back then we had double digit inflation. Uh, the next issue is crime. Uh, contrary to the president's proclamation that, uh, that there is no crime, it's, it's not going up. We, we know that there is a crime spree in this country now, uh, I think driven by a couple of issues, the defund the police, anti-police movement, uh, the, the fact that you have numerous prosecutors who've been funded by George Soros and refuse to prosecute in New York State. Another factor is bail reform that is allowing hardened criminals to be arrested in the morning and out in the afternoon. Um, and then the last issue is the critical race theory. Um, this one is big because this one is, is the, the fuse that has been lit at the grassroots level where you see average everyday folks who normally don't get involved in politics other than to vote every year, going into school board meetings, demanding that, that this is critical race theory, uh, just, a, just a form of racism in and of itself, contrary to Martin Luther King's philosophy, contrary to our Constitution. Um, they're demanding that that be removed. They're running candidates for school boards. They're demanding resignations of school board members. And if they don't, they're running candidates for it. And in many of these communities, these are communities, suburban communities, that went for Biden in 2020. And you're seeing a major pushback. As someone said, you know, you can, you can fool around with a lot of issues in, in Congress and a lot of different bills, but you start messing around with, with people's children in school and what you're teaching them, uh, then you've, you've crossed that bridge. And I think the Democrats have done that. The left has done that, the progressive left. And uh, I think that is going to continue to be a, a hot spot in terms of people's involvements. And you put those four issues together, and frankly, the Republicans at this point would have to work pretty hard to lose this, okay? Uh, a year is a long time, but, uh, you know, it's right now the winds favor Republicans. We'll see what happens. Uh, you know, Republicans have been known to blow good opportunities in the past. Uh, and as I said to David the other day, the Republicans are going to, or the Democrats are going to try real hard to make the 22 election like the 2020 election and convince people that it's not safe to vote in person. Uh, and so therefore, let's have another mass mail-in uh, absentee ballot without signature uh, verification or voter ID. Uh, that would be the Democrats' best chance of holding on to one or both houses of Congress is to conduct the election in 2022 the way it was conducted in 2020. Carl, I'm telling you, one of these days we'll have to do a full two hours together. Well, I would love it. All right. Maybe I can even, maybe by then we could even do it live in the studio. That would be great. I'm telling you, <laughs> the, the invites out there, we'll have to plan it. That will be some uh, great radio. Right, Carl, thank you job. so much. Thank you. Political strategist Carl Calabrese. When we come back, we're talking to you on Hardline on WBEN. It's Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. I almost said it was Beamaz and Beamer. <laughs> it's Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Uh, if you missed my interview with Congressman Chris Jacobs, that is segment two of the first hour. If you missed my interview with Carl Calabrese, that was the first segment of this hour. And you can find those at WBEN.com and on the Odyssey app. This segment, we are talking to you at 803-0930 about really anything that's been going on. If you had a comment on either of my interviews, if you had a comment on things 
politically happening uh, throughout the week that you would like uh, to talk about, especially the Canadian uh, border, you know, where all this focus was on Canada, Canada, Canada. And then Canada says, yes, you can, you know, if you're vaccinated, which I I think is fair, um, if you're vaccinated and you get a negative uh, COVID test, that one I think a lot of doctors would disagree with. But Canada did say it, they are opening their border to non-essential travel. And then to have the United States say, well, we're going to keep keep it uh, closed coming into the States until the 21st. I just I think that was very surprising to people. If you have something to say on that, 803-0930. Also, this January 6th committee. And it's interesting, you know, we talked to Congressman Jacobs at 1030. And now he was one of 35 Republicans to vote for the initial January 6th committee. And he was on our show uh, explaining the reason why was because he didn't want what is now happening on the committee to happen, where Nancy Pelosi is pretty much, as Carl Calabrese said, hand-picking people. And like I said, this would be the same as if Mitch McConnell said he was making a bipartisan committee and he put Joe Manchin on it. I think a lot of people would say, well, wait, uh, is this bipartisan or are you just picking Democrats you want? And I think right now Nancy Pelosi is just picking Republicans she wants. Um, but you heard what the congressman had to say about that. So if you have any comments on that on social media, 803-0930, uh, our first caller disagrees with the congressman. And as I said in my opening monologue, we welcome all opinions on here. And that's why I find it surprising that certain leaders won't come on the show. Um, but if you missed that, that was the first segment of the show. And you can find that on WBEN.com. But Tony and Clarence, always of, of not always of a differing opinion, but always welcome to share his opinion. Tony, good morning. Uh, yes, Joe. Uh, first of all, you were right. There was a vote uh, by in the Congress and then in the Senate that voted down the ability to have an independent 9-11 commission. That was what you were trying to point out to the congressman. There was supposed to be a 9-11 type. Right, and he voted for that commission. And he voted for that commission. I don't know what he voted for. Well, no, he was on this show talking about he voted for it because he didn't want it to turn out to what it looks like it's going to be now. Well, that's that's great, but there are 200, 180 other ones that didn't vote for it, so forget it. There's no such thing as, uh, as uh, <laughs> you can't, hire. can you have, first of all, the Speaker of the House has privileges. She is allowed to appoint the members of any committee that she chooses to appoint. Jordan and the other guy, Blake, are both jerks. Jordan just puts on a show, and he disagrees. He was on the Benghazi committee. Do you know how long Benghazi committee was in order? Two and a half years. Well, from nineteen, from two thousand fourteen to almost two thousand eighteen. Second, on sixth of January, guess what? The, the house, the Capitol building, was closed to visitors. Do you remember that, Joe? Closed to visitors. Tony, I've, I'm on the record as saying I think what happened on January 6th was disgusting, uh, and the, the people that are, are responsible for it are paying the price. They're being charged. Yeah, please let me finish. Okay, go ahead. We have a record somewhere of Republican congressmen parading in or bringing in visitors to the Capitol against what was supposed to happen. 
They're all records. And the Republicans don't want that to come out. They don't want to have their congressmen being uh, enabling the people who had the, committed the insurrection. And guess what? Well, what does what does Congressman Jacobs have to do with that? Nancy, excuse me, Nancy Pelosi had could not call out the National Guard as Jacobs is trying to insinuate. It was President Trump who sat there for three hours watching television, who finally acquiesced to what I believe, uh, uh, hold, hold on, Tony, I'll let you speak, but I believe what the congressman said was these are just, these are things that they want to look into in the committee. These are questions that they would ask and that the speaker uh, removed them because she doesn't want those questions asked. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that Jim Jordan won't make a show. Jim Jordan won't if he was on the committee, but I mean, this is 2021 when, you know, everyone's on social media. Everyone on that committee is going to make a show. Everyone on that committee is going to try to get the sound, the sound bite. That's what it's. That's that's what they. That's what politicians do now. They all want the sound bite. I appreciate the call, Tony, but that that's what politicians do. I'm not going to disagree with Tony that Jim Jordan would, you know, take his jacket off, roll up his sleeves, and try to get the Twitter video. Of course, so will everyone else on that committee. But to the three things Tony said, I have no idea how that goes against anything the congressman said. He said they wanted to look into these issues. Now, Tony has an opinion on those issues. Congressman Jacobs has an opinion on those issues. I think it's fair. I I think it's fair of the congressman, or I think it's fair of Republicans in Congress to want those issues to be brought up in committee. I don't think there's anything unfair about that. However, I don't know what's going to happen in this committee. And to the to Tony's first part, Congressman Jacobs was the one pushing for Republicans to vote for the initial committee so it wouldn't turn into what it seemingly is being turned into. So and he that the week he made that vote, he came on this show and talked about it. He explained his vote for the committee. And look, the congressman was right. I don't care where you stand politically. The congressman was right. He, he, he said, if you vote against this committee, there will be a committee that won't have the 9-11 type commission, and it won't be bipartisan. And from what we're seeing now, it turns out that the congressman was correct. 803-0930. We have to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get through the rest of these calls. It's Joe Beamer. It's Hardline on WBEN. Welcome back. It is Hardline. Lucas, I'd like to know where you have the table tennis, because this is, I have the, uh, wherever they're riding the bikes, and I look over, and you've got the table tennis on, that's so much more fun. NBC Sports Network, ah, okay. 35. Okay, so that's what, you know, all these, I remember back in the day, okay, back in the 90s, you had one channel, and you watched the event that was on that one channel, now you've got, you know, all these channels with live events or right now it's recapped from when they were live because it's almost midnight in Tokyo. Uh, and you can watch numerous other events on streaming. Uh, it's funny, you know, the 
USA men's Olympic game was only streaming in the United States. But since we live here in western New York, we were able to watch it on CBC. That was carrying it live, uh, which was nice because, you know, here, this is a professional place. We're trying to be professional. We don't want to slow down the Internet for our newsroom by streaming the Olympic basketball game. So it was nice that CBC had that on and we didn't have to worry about that. 803-0930. We have about five minutes left. We're going to try to get through these calls. Uh, By the way, I appreciate everyone calling in. I appreciate you guys listening on a Sunday morning. Uh, always have, always enjoy doing this show, and I'm glad that people are out there listening. Let's go to Rochester and speak with John. Hey, John. Hey, Joe. You know, this uh, January 6th riot that happened, uh, the investigation, I want to be clear. I have heard, and I, you know, this is what we need to find out. Did Nancy Pelosi put the kibosh on the National Guard and Number two, did Mitch McConnell was Mitch McConnell involved with that decision also, and that's what we need to find out. The other thing I wanted to mention was I'm surprised it wasn't more violent. I'll tell you why. Uh, there, there, a lot of the people knew about the fraud that went on. I personally watched 25 hours of legislative hearings in the battleground states. 900 affidavits they had of uh, many witnesses on all different types of frauds and irregularities. And that was known on January 6th. I'm surprised there wasn't more violence. This, you know, it could have been a real insurrection because the voter fraud issue will come out, and I believe uh, it will be found that Trump won the electoral vote by a landslide. Well, I mean, John, I'm, I'm, I don't think it should have happened at all. I don't think it should have been uh, violent at all. If there are, are any truth to the claims, those will come out in court. Uh, there is the procedural way to do it. Um, and if that happens, um, obviously we will hear about it. But, but, Joe, you know, the problem is this. You have a, a, in the process, you've got Democratic judges, and you also have Republican judges who are afraid of the violence that could break out and their reputation in the deep swamp. And I think that's a big factor. The truth may never come out, but, but there is hope. Uh, there's been some uh, movement in Arizona and Georgia, so it may still come out. And I agree with you. I didn't want to see violence. I'm just surprised it didn't happen at a bigger uh, – a bigger. I think, I think the people were very uh, behaved. As a, when you think about they had two to 300,000 people in and around that Trump uh, speech. So uh, 800 people out of that amount is nothing. John, can, can you – because, you know, you and I, we do disagree on this. I, I think, you know, as much as I disagree with who won the election, I think the guy who won the election is in the White House. When, when there are claims of fraud, where was the fraud done? When people are, you know, when people are saying that 2020 was stolen, where do they mean it was stolen? In, in what way? Was it the voting machines? Was it the mail-in voting? It, it was a combination. Uh, did, Joe, did you see any of the legislative hearings? I have to admit, John, I did not. And like I said, I, I'm open to reading anything. But where I stand right now, I, I think there were some practices in voting that should never be again. I mean, we did things for purposes of COVID that, you know, should not be part of the next uh, presidential election. Uh, but I, I do think that, unfortunately, you know, the guy who won, again, I might not agree with him, but the guy who won, I think, is the guy in the White House. So when it when, when there's, I, I just think there's a lot of people out there that don't understand what, what people mean by fraud. 
Joe, you need to see those. You need to see those hearings, and they're they're on the internet. You can you can watch them. And the fraud occurred in in, in many ways. One was uh, intim- in, intimidation by the poll watchers. Uh, there was actual manipulation of some of the voting machines. Uh, they had some forensic computer experts. It's fascinating to watch. Uh, there was also. Uh, uh, non-verification of signature ballots in Georgia. They did find out this. They found out uh, this was found out a couple weeks ago in one of their uh, investigative hearings. Thirty-five thousand votes were illegally cast because the people had changed residences and didn't re-register. They voted in their old precincts. This was in the state of Georgia. Now Trump lost the state of Georgia by thirteen thousand votes. This is the type of thing. It's Joe. It's unbelievable. You got to see the hearings to to make an educated opinion on this. It's unbelievable. All right, John. I appreciate the call. And, and hey, I, I've been very open about this. I don't think there was fraud, and I think what happened on January sixth was awful. And the people that were involved on January sixth should be charged and will pay the price. You know. Um, but as I said in my opening monologue, I am open to hearing all opinions. As long as we can be civil about it, I will listen to all opinions, you know, Um, and that's why I am surprised when there are certain elected officials, certain leaders that refuse to come on this show, refuse to share their point of view, even if we may disagree. It just it. um, It's frustrating, and I think it shows a real lack of leadership. I appreciate everyone joining me. I appreciate the calls. I appreciate Congressman Chris Jacobs and political strategist Carl Calabrese. Hey, we're back here tomorrow morning. Susan Rose, Brian Mazurowski kicking it off with a new morning. We'll see you then here on WBEN. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.